Does COVID have you feeling stalled at work? Cornell ILR Professional Education can help you get back on the road to career growth. Visit discover.ilr.cornell.edu to get started. Work is all around us. It defines us. The future of work impacts nearly every person on our planet, and the ILR School at Cornell University is influencing policy and practice around the world. In this episode of Work, exploring the future of work, labor, and employment, Dean Alex Colvin speaks with Juliana Reyes, labor reporter at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Well, thanks for joining us here today on the podcast. One of the things that has been really interesting in the worker rights area is that traditionally we thought about a lot of stuff going on at the federal level. When you think about the federal government passing labor laws and there's the Civil Rights Act that the federal government passed. But in recent years, this it is really interesting trend where a lot of action seems to have moved down to the state or even the local level. And we're seeing cities taking the lead in a lot of areas, you know, thinking about things like the Fight for 15 campaign that you know, really caught fire in certain cities like Seattle um, and innovations like paid sick leave that some cities have put in place. And Philadelphia seems like a city where there's really a lot of interesting uh, labor activity uh, going on at the local level. Um, so I was hoping we could talk a little about some of those um, interesting worker protection laws that have been passed in Philadelphia. I know it's one of those cities that has been part of that $15 an hour wave. Um, maybe we could start there. You know, what what was behind the success there in Philadelphia? You know, why uh, why did we why do we see a, a city like Philadelphia? moving forward in that area when, you know, at the national level, we're stuck with the 725 minimum wage that we've had for almost a decade. But, you know, it's really uh, taken off at, at the city level. Yeah, well, actually, when it comes to the $15 an hour minimum wage, um, Philadelphia hasn't gotten there yet, largely because of preemption. Right. Uh, there's a state law that bars Philly from raising its minimum wage. And there was like a big organizing effort here in Philly to uh, sort of push our local politicians to challenge the state, but that never really uh, came through. That was in like 2014. No, but then there's a, there's been a number of areas where there has been success at the at the local yeah. level with enactments. Um, so um, you know, one of the things I was noticing is this uh, Fair Work Week regulation that's uh, that has succeeded, um, which seems a really interesting innovation. Yeah, so we've seen, so really in the last like year and a half, we've seen a huge wave of this progressive worker legislation in Philly. And it's interesting to compare to, so sort of one of the first um, progressive like worker protection laws that Philly passed was paid sick leave. But that campaign mm-hmm. took about six years. So it was vetoed okay. a number of times. Yeah, it took, it took a long time. And it was vetoed a number of times but by the mayor, by Mayor Nutter at the yeah, time. Yeah. and it just, yeah, it just took a lot longer. So we're looking at six years for that. And then fast forward to 2018, and that's when the Fair Work Week campaign kicked off. Uh, and that was to give like more consistent scheduling to retail and fast food and hotel workers. And basically, we saw that bill become law in about a year. So, so it was totally different. And, and right after that, we also saw just cause protections for parking lot workers, basically a law that would bar unfair firing in a certain industry. And then we also saw the Domestic Workers Bill of Rights passed here most recently. So it's been sort of like, yeah, this cascading effect in Philly. 
Yeah. What, what was the switch that happened? You said that, you know, there'd been vetoes on the, uh, the initial efforts of the paid sick leave uh, for that extended period, but then suddenly you get this acceleration. What, what changed the city at that time? Yeah, so there's a, there's a couple of things. I mean, one is just the national trend, as you pointed out, to like there's not much happening on the federal level. And so things have been sort of kicked down to state and city. And I think that organizers and unions and politicians are all kind of seeing that like there's a lot that can be won at the local level. And so there's a lot of yeah. opportunity there. Um, so there's that trend. And then I think that, and there was also, so these uh, protections that we're talking about, Fair Work Week, the Domestic Worker Bill of Rights, like these are all part of national movements. And so yep. like Philly was not the first place to pass Fair Work Week. There were other cities that preceded it. And same goes for the Domestic Worker Bill of Rights. And I think that helped because it's hard to be the first, but if there's like this movement and there's already research done in other cities and there's already like, yeah, traction yeah. for it in other cities, it's easier that way. Like that's what I've heard from, from folks here. The one other big thing I've heard about the difference, there's a sort of progressive political wave in Philly. But what I, what I think is even more important to focus on is that there's been a, more worker organizing here in Philly uh -huh. versus um, during the campaign for paid sick. And, and I've heard that a lot from organizers that like that kind of organizing is really important when it comes to winning laws like this, because it really gives like a face to the struggles. So it's not just like bureaucrats, like our politicians right. saying like, we need this. But there's actual like real life people saying like here's how this will change my life and like here how this is here's how this is affecting me. Yeah. So a political constituency that they want to respond to is pushing that. Right. Right. It was. It's interesting that both those examples, the Fair Work Week and the Domestic Worker Bill of Rights, are, are targeted in some ways, right? The Domestic Worker Bill of Rights is obviously targeted towards domestic workers, and and, and my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, that the Fair Work Week is targeted at particular sectors like food, retail, and hotel workers. Did did that help get it passed? That it was targeted um, to particular sectors. Hmm, that's a good question. I think. Well, for Fair Work Week, I think it did help because the service sector, so I'm using that term to mean like retail, fast food, hotels, yeah. like that's a very big part of the workforce in Philadelphia. They were estimating like 130,000 people work in that, in those fields, and it's probably more. Yeah. Um, so, so yes, I think there's like this sense of this is a workforce that we're not really tending to or like paying attention to it. it's very big and it's growing yeah yeah i mean the, the counter argument sometimes wonder is is you know are you going to get pushback from those industries you now if i if i was a big hotel or retail employer in philadelphia you know i might feel targeted by this was was there a big pushback from employers in the industry when these uh when these bills were being proposed yes there was there was well the chamber of commerce spoke out against it and they were and and they really oppose this wave of worker protection laws. They say that the city is overstepping and trying to act as like an HR, an HR back office yeah. and that should be left to the companies. Um, so yeah, and, and like I've, I went to hearings where there were um, representatives from different companies that talked about like why this 
law just didn't make sense. It was too like one size fits all and that it would ultimately lead to workers getting their hours cut because it would like hurt business. So, so yes, there was definitely pushback, but ultimately the law, the bill prevailed and yeah. it, it did really well in council. And there was only maybe like three people that voted against it. Has, has there been um, any reaction yet from the, particularly from the employer side since the bills were passed uh, in terms of, you know, how they're adjusting to it, uh, you know, any kind of responses yet? Well, so it hasn't been implemented yet, and it was yeah. supposed to begin in January, but the city actually pushed back their implementation date because they heard from businesses that they needed. They said that there was like, more time was needed to make sure that businesses could like fully uh, follow the law. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. Uh, I mean, some of these some of these laws we've seen uh, reactions like there's actually a, a sort of HR business area now expanding uh, to help companies comply with these laws. So um, it's been interesting to see, you know, nationally that there's been some uh, response to this as a business opportunity. Uh, one of the things I'm curious is, has, have you seen any reports of other cities looking at what Philadelphia did? You know, it's like. Pittsburgh got a copy, Philadelphia, or maybe, you know, Camden, New Jersey, or, you know, Baltimore, or anywhere else? Um, are you seeing interest from elsewhere in what Philadelphia's been doing? Yeah, just anecdotally, I haven't seen, like, formally um, cities looking to Philly, but I know that our Domestic Worker Bill of Rights is, like, advocates are saying it's the most robust in the country, yeah. and so... There's one in Seattle right now, but ours like has more features, I guess, so to speak. And it's also going to have this portable benefits system uh -huh. that will give paid time off to domestic workers or allow them to accrue it. And so that would be the first on, on municipal level that functions like that. And I think folks will definitely be watching to see Philly's roll out of that. Yeah. So that is, you know, does it work successfully or not? Because yeah, that's obviously going to be something that's going to require quite a bit of implementation work to get the portal benefits working. And uh, I want to talk a little about that um, just cause for parking lot workers bill. Uh, that that's a pretty fascinating one to me for a, for a couple of reasons. One is that America's had this tradition of employment at will as being the basic rule that you know there is no just cause. So right. this seems a pretty big change. Um, and it's also but it's also interesting that it was parking lot workers that it's focused on. Uh, can you talk a little about the um, you know, what was going on with that with that? bill like how did this how did this come to be that this was uh, this became a bill sure yeah so it was um it was pushed for by 32 bj seiu uh, which is a pretty powerful union here in philly and they represent building service workers and they're also organizing parking lot workers right now oh, right. and so and so they were pushing for a similar bill in new york for fast food workers specifically and I, I think that the bill stalled, like it didn't go through. Yeah. Um, but in Philly, it was successful. But that's why it focuses specifically on parking lot workers. And 32BJ was bringing these workers into city council and talking to um, city council people about their concerns. And one of the things was that a few, there was a group of workers that basically were fired after it was shown that they supported unionizing. And in the end, they got, re like most of them got reinstated, but that was one of the main stories that was brought to the council people and why they seemed to think that this was a good, that this was an important law to pass. 
Yeah. So having that a union that strong in the city made the real difference there in terms of being able to get that law passed, uh, which is which is pretty interesting when we think about the role of unions. That uh, you know, there's a traditional role of unions where you know you collect a bargain for your existing members, and it's kind of a more narrow role for unions. But this this is interesting that you know it's a, it's a union taking that kind of broader um, approach in its its industry. Uh, do, did you see the unions being a big player in some of the other laws too, uh, pushing those through? So that's a really interesting question because what we're like what I've been seeing in Philly is unions are powerful, yes, but they only represent they represent you know a small fraction of the workforce, and yeah. there's been a lot of new organizing that. It's organizing, but it's like not union, specifically uh-huh. union organizing. And so, yes, we did see. So I, I would call that yeah. alt labor. So yeah, alt yeah. labor. Yeah. So we did see a coalition of like alt labor and more traditional labor. So the Central Labor Council here, the Philadelphia AFL-CIO, supported Fair Work Week. They supported the, the Domestic Worker Bill of Rights. So they they did like throw their weight behind that. And I think that was important to show that, to show sort of this like broader, it's not just about unions or it's not just about non-union workers, like they can come together. Yeah, that is a really interesting point because we, we've seen nationally this kind of growth of the alt-labor movement, but at the same time, the unions have that kind of institutional heft. Um, you know, it's interesting that it was 32BJ because they are known as, as a relatively progressive union that's more open to working with um, other organizations. So, uh, you know, it's really interesting that they were, they were a key actor in, in one of these bills and that there's been this uh, the link to the alt-labor. Uh, who, who are the alt-labor uh, people in Philadelphia? Is there like an organization or is it like kind of an ad hoc thing? Is it, you know, is, who is alt-labor there? Yeah, so there's a few different groups and, and many of them work together, but there's like one Pennsylvania and they really pushed for Fair Work Week. And then there's the Pennsylvania Domestic Workers Alliance and they're part of the National Domestic Workers Alliance. There's a group called Jobs with Justice, so yeah, they're they're all very small sort of grassroots organizations. Like, uh, and the funding landscape for these kinds of groups is hard. Like, you know, like they don't yeah. get dues from members, so they're they're really out there like trying to fundraise. Um, and and yeah, so, so they're small, but they've been they've proven very mighty in Philly of late. Yeah, yeah. So looking forward, are there other things that you see on the horizon in the Philadelphia um, area for worker protection? Uh, any any other bills that look like they might be coming up uh, in the next while? Yeah, well, so this is a little meta, but um, yeah. one, I, a really important part of this story about the worker protection laws being passed is the enforcement part of it. and. Sure. Um, I, like, as I cover this, like, I joke, we all joke, like, that it's just so unsexy. It's, like, not a very <laughs> compelling story to talk about yeah. enforcement. But but the, a lot of the alt-labor groups have, uh, they've basically formed, like, a, a coalition where they're pushing for stronger enforcement of these laws. Uh-huh. Because basically, uh, the, the office that was doing it, the mayor's office of labor, it was really small, really under-resourced. And then suddenly they got like all these new laws to enforce. And uh, I did a story last year or two years ago now that, that basically showed that like no one even knew about these laws. Like no one was right. complaining about, like you know, no one was filing complaints. Yeah. Like uh, there was no education that was being done. 
And so, so that's like a big focus right now for a lot of the alt labor folks is like, how can we make a permanent office of labor that has like more resources? And how can we like hold um, the office of labor accountable to like really enforcing these laws? Yeah, I, I think that's so important. It's it's a it is a pretty unsexy area. I, I've written about this myself about <laughs> government agencies uh, and how government agencies right. work. But but in worker rights, uh, that actually seems to be one of the key things in determining whether you actually get the rights that are on paper. Is do you have an effective agency there? And and actually, the basic good government, a uh, good organization of government, makes a huge difference. Um, so I think they're probably on the right track if they want to um, have. Their, have their laws actually have impact in practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, maybe a last uh, question. Uh, yeah, we've talked quite a bit about uh, Philadelphia, about what's going on at the city level. Um, you, know, you mentioned at the beginning that, you know, there's some, you know, difficulties with, uh, you know, the state law limiting what you can do in minimum wage at the, the city level. Um, has any of this stuff that's been going on in Philadelphia been spilling over to um, action at the state level, or I suppose even the national level, but I particularly wonder if, you know, uh, things have been happening at the state level in response. Is there any kind of push there? Hmm. So it's complicated because the Republicans have the majority in the state and right. they generally, um, and even though our governor is a Democrat and he, he advoc he's advocating for a $15 minimum wage uh, statewide, He's just seen. I mean, they've they've just not been able to come to any yeah. agreements on that over the last I don't know how many years now. So I think that that might be the most prominent what, like possible thing that could happen on the state level. But other than that, I mean, yeah, it doesn't seem like there's much there's much movement. I mean, I think one thing is that the building trades are very powerful both in Philly and uh -huh. statewide. And so they've been successful in like passing through an e-verify law on the state level, but I, and like that in some circles might be talked at, talked about as a worker protection law, but in other circles, it's really not seen as that at all. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think maybe that's part of the story as to why so much of the action's happening at the city level if, you know, states aren't responding to people's demands for additional protections at work. You know, if the national level's not responding, if the state's not responding, they're going to turn to their local government. And maybe that's why we're seeing the interesting action going on at the state level. Um, well, thanks for taking the time to talk, tell us, you know, what's been going on in Philadelphia. I think it's a really interesting story and, you know, I hope people are paying attention to it because I think that's where it's actually affecting a lot of workers' lives and uh, hopefully improving their conditions at work. So uh, thanks for uh, telling us a little about what's going on there. Thank you. Thank you for your interest. Thank you for listening to Work. You can subscribe to our podcast at work.ilr.cornell.edu or on iTunes. If you have a recommendation for a guest or topic to be discussed on a future episode, just click on the link in the show notes of this episode and leave your suggestion. Again, thank you for listening. <laughs>